Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Tottenham Hotspur. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Spurs News Podcast special uh, where we, this week, are talking to the author of a Spurs book, who is something that's coming out very soon. We are talking to a gentleman called Stephen Peace. Hello. Say hello to everybody. Hello, Sam. How are you? Hello to everyone. Thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, yeah, yeah, not too bad, thanks. Um, in, uh, see, I, I'm a typical Brit when it comes to this. I have to talk about the weather. Um, it's summertime, but the last few yeah. years have been roasting, like 30s to the, even 40 last year. This year, it's not that yet. And I'm actually kind of enjoying it. I'm one of those people. I'll tell you what, again, it's it's classic of us to be very British and and talk about the weather. Um, Here in the news today, I think if anyone's holidaying in Southern Europe at the moment, they're kind of hitting mid-40s. So um, I think you're you're, you're happy where you are, Sam. Very, very, very happy. Um, But yeah, (laughs) so, so just a very brief introduction. Obviously, the Spurs News Podcast is going to continue doing its weekly thing. Uh, we're going to be talking about games as and when and all the events that happens in our roller coaster madness of a club throughout the season. But on top of that, we're also going to be putting together one show a month, which is going to be sort of like our uh, special things. Um, now, with this in mind, we're kicking this series off with Stephen, where we're going to be chatting about his book and the launch of that. But in the future, we're also going to do things where we just kind of focus in on one subject and go at it. Um, Either me and Matt, uh, me and Stefan, what we're going to do is we're going to pick topics, Spurs related, pick a side, maybe toss a coin on who who has which side of the debate, and then we're just going to research it, and then once a month put together a show where we're absolutely tearing each other apart on it, which should be a lot of fun. Um, The the list of subjects we got so far includes, one of them is titled... Was Sol Campbell right? Now that's going to be an hilarious show for everybody, I'm sure of it. Uh, but anyway, that's what's to come in the future. Today, like I said, I'm talking to Stephen. We're going to go over a book. And first of all, and I think this is a great, the title of the book is Fantastic Disappointment The Story of Spurs 1986 87. Fantastic Disappointment. Where, 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 go on, explain the title. Where did that all come from? Um, do, you, do you know what? Coming up with a title was was never was never easy. I probably no. got it down to about s- several options, um, and uh, I was I was having a conversation with my publisher one day, and we were trying to sort of slim it down because I, I wasn't really happy with what what we were sort of choosing, yeah. and then she just said to me, "Do you know what 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 did this season make you make you think of?" Mm. And then I, I tried to just slim it down. I said, "Do you know what? It was." it was absolutely fantastic. You know, for the football they played, it was absolutely fantastic. But at the end, to end the season with nothing, it was so disappointing. Yeah. And then that was kind of it, how, how we how we kind of mashed that together. Fantastic disappointment. Keep it simple, but keep it very kind of on trend as well, still, still with Spurs nowadays. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's a historic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I think like life as a Spurs fan, I think whatever generation you grew up with, uh, yeah. grew up in, sorry, um, 
it's all relative it's, it's all known after the same but um hey ho that, that's why we support isn't it <laughs> so so uh, speaking of sort of life as a spurs fan um whenever we have anybody on it's always a question i ask with yourself when when did you start following spurs was it a family thing was it you were brought into it uh i mean if, if you're willing to share your age i know some people won't uh i'm, I'm 40 so so if that makes you feel better <laughs> Uh, it, it, sadly, it doesn't make me feel better. No. I'm, 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 for, I'm 48 at the moment, okay. but um, now I, you know, it, it is a family thing, yeah. and um, elements of this book, to be honest, was was a bit of an ode ode to my dad because yeah. when I started going to Spurs as a as a kid, um, well, this particular season I've chosen was my first season as a season ticket holder at Spurs. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so um, yeah, it holds really good memories for me for, for so many, so many reasons, which I've kind of outlined um, in the book. But um, yeah, it was it was my dad. My my dad was a um, an, an avid goer of Spurs during the double winning seasons in the, in like the late fifties and early sixties, um, and that started him. So me and my brother, by default, we we then had to sort of support Spurs. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. But um, yeah, it's kind of late late seventies, early eighties. That's when I started going. Um, but yeah, it's probably from the for the mid eighties onwards. That's when I started going a, a lot more regularly. Um, so yeah, that that's my origins. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, like you said, so the eighty six eighty seven season, which is the subject for the book, that was uh, like you said, it was your first season as a season ticket holder. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. So is that why you've picked this season out? Because it's sort of a special thing for you, or do you think this season is one that deserves sort of highlighting? You know, regardless of that. Yeah. To, to to be honest, Sam, it's probably a bit of both, really. Um, number one, it was so it was my first year of of watching football. Yeah. So much, and bear in mind, back then, football on telly was was very few and far between. Yeah. Um, Again, I, I kind of highlight some of that in the book um, because TV and football nowadays is, is a completely different beast to, to what yeah. it was in the mid-late 80s. Um, yeah, true. So going the there, as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So going there week in, week out, um, seeing some of my heroes and seeing some, again, truly world-class footballers during that period was 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 an absolute pleasure. Um well, speak, sorry, speaking, sorry, yeah, speaking of the world-class footballers, um, a lot of the people listening, uh, I mean, I, I was born in 83, so 86, 87 for me isn't really in my memory. I know my, my older brother, he was born in 75, and it's very much his, that was very much his team, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's very much, yeah. um, he describes Glenn Hoddle as God in socks and won't hear anything other than that. That's that's just, yeah. you know... Um, so who were the players that, so from 86, 87, just to kind of, because people know the names, the legends, who were the yeah. players from that team that stood out to you? Um, well, there were, there were a, a genuine batch of world-class players in, in that group. Um, Ray, Ray Clements and Ozzy Ardiles were coming towards the end of their careers, but they, they were of, of world-class calibre anyway. Yeah. Um, you, you obviously had Glenn Hoddle and, and Glenn Hoddle is, is Glenn Hoddle, and yeah. and maybe we'll we'll get into a debate like lo- lots of people do when they talk about the greatest player who, who's ever played for Spurs. Yeah. Um, but we could possibly talk about that later. Um, Chris Chris Waddle, um, yeah. well, obviously Chris Waddle was, was sublime during his, his time at Spurs before he went to he went to Marseille. Um, and again, it was a season when Clive Allen scored forty nine goals, um, yeah. and anyone scoring close to fifty goals. 
unless you're Erling Haaland, um, yeah. is, is, is always going to be a special thing. Um, so, yeah, they, they, were, they were some sort of key players um, around that time. There lots of other probably names that you would remember, like a, a Steve Hodger, Paul Allen, a, a Nico Klassen, um, and then kind of finally a, a, a Sir Gary Mabbott and, and a Richard Goff. Um, yeah, well, Matt Mabbott, very much a hero of mine personally from Bristol. Um, Richard Goff is a funny one for me because I never saw him play for Spurs. Um, it, like my, early, my earliest memory is seeing him play for Glasgow Rangers. And I describe him as just being an absolute rock of a defender. Like you're, you're not going to get past him, sort of scenario. Was it? Was he like that? Was it a hell of a partnership seeing him at Spurs? Yeah, um, kind of going through this process. I was, I was really lucky that I got to speak to lots of ex uh, professionals. Yeah, some, some of my heroes and stuff like that. And, and Richard Goff was one of them. Um, Richard Goff was really um, open and, and candid. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, he only had one full season at Spurs. Yeah. And he's looked upon now as, again, a bit, a bit like a god, like a legend for that one particular season. Yeah. He was, um, he, he was, I've heard him refer, people refer to him as a, as a Rolls Royce of a de- defender. Yeah. He, he, would gl- he would glide around. You know, his reading of the game was superb. Mm. His timing was superb. His, his pace and recovery was fantastic. Um, his heading was 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 unbelievable. Um, that there were parts of his game that um, which kind of makes him not as 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 awesome as people may think or remember him as. But yeah. again, he's human. He's he's flawed like like most most other people. But the the relationship he, he created with Gary Mabel was 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 pretty sublime. Um, so yeah, he's um, he's up there in lots of people's eyes as a as a club legend and and rightly so because it was one season of brilliant for him really yeah well i mean i i always find the kind of um because it's a debate thing around with the use of legend um people people seem to get very um well tetchy about it or very kind of protective over it like oh can't be a legend didn't win anything can't be this can't be this and i always i always look at it and say to me it's, it's a it's a personal thing and also it's a kind of you cannot necessarily judge an individual by a team game success in, in that sense. I mean, we have, we have this debate a lot currently with the current side and a yeah. certain Harry Kane, of course. But if you know that season clearly left a pretty indelible mark on you, and I dare say a lot of people, um, yeah. and if he was a key part of that, then, yeah, people are going to remember him as like a club legend. But, as you just said, really only played one full season. So you, you kind of wonder... You know, does that does that fit? But again, it's a, it's a very personal thing. You know, it's, it's what people remember and, and how they remember. I, I think it's another one of those things is because, um, especially going into the, the late eighties and, and into the nineties, and and that large portions of the nineties were were brilliant in some ways, but also quite bleak in in other ways for, for Spurs fans. Very, yeah. um, but um, from from a defensive point of view, um, we could talk about midfielders and attackers who have been absolutely superb yeah. in Spurs colours. But we, we, we very rarely talk about defenders in the same light. Um, yeah, true. Someone like a, a Gary Mabbott, yeah, a, a, that, that, that's a given. Um, he's always going to be held up there in, in such high regard and high, high esteem. Um, yeah. It's similar with Vertonghen and Alderweireld. Um, possibly the, yeah. the, the best partnership Spurs have had since the Goffin Mabbott days. But um, 
yeah, it was. I, I suppose his, his performance. It was. It was a legendary year, um, which puts him in one of the Spurs' defensive legends. Again, regardless of, of yeah. winning something or not, because Harry Kane's still a legend in, in our eyes, isn't he? And, and yet, at this point, we know he hasn't won anything as yet. No. But, um, <laughs> yeah. That's, you are that that debated. I think in society nowadays, people use the word legend too often and too freely. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's, it's it's use it for few and far between. I'd say yeah. With, um, uh, so going back talking about yourself is, I mean, a little bit more about you. Are are you someone who is this your first book? Is this your tenth? Uh, what's your background in this with, with putting together these types of books? Yeah, do you know this? This is actually my first book, um, okay. and I've I've never really wanted to be an author. I never really considered to, to be an author. And, and do you know what? I, I I had such luck speaking to so many uh, people in the in the media, people like ex players and, yeah. and ex coaches and stuff like that. And I think they were happy to talk to me on the on the strength that I probably wasn't an author or a journalist. Okay. Um, so so may, maybe my my newness and, and my, in some ways, potential naivety to this world um, held me in, in good stead. But um, not not the fact that I want to be an author ongoing or anything like yeah. that. But I just I just wanted to produce a book. I wanted to to produce a book about a season in Spurs' history that no one had ever produced before. And and regardless, the Spurs hadn't won anything at all. Yeah. I I always felt that this is this is a, a season worth documenting. It's it's worth kind of understanding the chronicles of of the ins and outs of, of that season because it was it was quite fascinating and, and that's why I decided to do it really well well my next question to you is why this season I mean we've kind of touched on it already in terms yeah. of the personal point for you from you also you know you mentioned Clive Allen 49 goal I mean that on its own is enough for anyone who isn't aware of the season to kind of prick their ears up and be like well, what <laughs> a Tottenham player scored 49 goals yeah. um what what for you, because obviously, as you said, the season ended with no silverware. So where did Tottenham finish in the league? It would have been the old first division. You know, yeah. What was the result of this season? Um, it, it was a season of nearlies. Yeah. Um, Spurs were knocked out in the League Cup quarterfinal. Uh, sorry, League Cup semifinal, second leg replay. Um, of, they were they finished third in the league behind eventual winners Everton and uh, runners up Liverpool, um, and obviously they they lost in the FA Cup final to to Coventry that year as well, which yeah. is and again another part of that, which is, is why it's it, it's a historic season for for most football lovers rather than just Spurs fans or Coventry fans or, or anything like that because again so much did happen that year, yeah. um, but for for me. And again, I, I go into depth and, and detail within the book. It's the it's the football that was played. It was the style. Yeah. It was the formational change. It was a bit it was a bit revolutionary, and and, and it was something that the the generation of four four two hadn't hadn't really seen. European teams had seen structures like this, but um, Spurs and their and their new manager of that year, which was David Pleats, had just kind of put a different spin on utilising the quality that he had within the team. So that's that's a big catalyst of the change and why they played so well that year. It's interesting as well that this is the season with David Pleat in charge because, again, a lot of the younger Spurs fans, David Pleat, really, the only real memory of him, or the only real is the director of football role at the club and also a consistent caretaker. You know, he'd be in and out every time we fired a manager. 
Um, so, so for me, again, him being in charge for this season, what was the formation? What was the revolutionary way forward that they played? Well, it was, um, again, like spending time with Richikoff, I was, I was very lucky to, to spend time with David. Um, yeah. And again, I was even more lucky that David agreed to do the forward for the book. Um, so he, he opens my book with his words on, on that season. Um, you know, t- time with David was superb. He's, he's, he's like a football encyclopedia. Is, um, yeah. his, his memory is, is, is unbelievable. Um, but uh, at the time he joined Spurs from, from Luton, um, yeah. it, this, this was just after the Mexican World Cup. Um, and it was also in, in the height of the um, sort of like the era of football hooliganism. Yeah. Um, the European ban on, on English teams, but the, the formation that Spurs went with was was purely to cope with the quality of midfielders that you had yeah. in Paul Allen, Chris Waddle, um, Tony Galvin, Glenn Hoddle, Ozzy Ardiles, yeah. um, and then obviously they, they also brought Steve Hodge in that year. So um, he, he had so many quality midfielders, yeah. and he tweaked the system to a to a four five one, playing Clive Allen up on his up on his own, um, yeah. which allowed which allowed Hoddle to sort of like float in a bit of a, a Michel Platini role, which yeah. English teams had never really done before. And, yeah. and and with Hoddle's quality, it was it was probably the best way to utilise him. But um, yeah, so that, they they sort of stumbled across that as, as the season went on. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's interesting, and I think obviously the next key question is for everybody listening. Where will they be able to get the book? When is it available? So it's um, it's available um, online with Waterstones um, okay. and Amazon. Um, and you can also uh, acquire a copy via the publisher, and they're called Kronos Publishing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, Sam, if you'd probably be able to put some links and stuff yeah, on, yeah, by all means, onto your yeah. web pages, and we can kind of get that sorted. But um, you can... You can apply for pre-copies, pre-sale copies now. Um, it's being released on the 3rd of August. Um, so just, just before the football season. But again, holiday season. So if there's any Spurs fans that want to take their book on holiday um, and, and have a good read about uh, a superb nostalgic year, um, hopefully yeah. they'll find it enjoyable. Yeah, right. I mean, again, I, I come back to this apology. It's a fantastic disappointment because... The more I looked at that title, the more I kept thinking to myself, there are probably other seasons that I could give that title to. Yes. Did I, so, someone said that to me. They said, well, with that with that title, you can then just start doing different editions. Well, what, what, uh, what, other, what other seasons can come under this banner? Yeah, and it's true, you know, Fantastic it? Disappointment 2. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just in recent, you know, recent memory, the Pochettino team, you know, finishing behind Leicester, finishing the yeah. season behind Chelsea. The football we played in those seasons was, was phenomenal for the vast majority yeah. of the seasons. And it was some yeah. of the best that I've witnessed, you know, in, in sort of modern modern times. So again, yeah, uh, it could kind of easily fall into that. Um, fantastic. You know, it's a lot, lot better than the word Spursy anyway. It does. And and the thing is, you know, whenever you speak to Spurs fans, looking back at that sort of 2016, 2017 yeah. sort of time period, you know, whenever Spurs were playing, yeah, you, you always wanted to go and watch it. Yeah. You know, you wanted to go and see it. You knew you were going to be entertained. Um, more like, more often than not, we ended up winning. But watching the, 
the dynamic of Kane, Ali, Ericsson, Son. Um, you know, it, it, it was it was superb. And again, probably current, currently and up to date, watching Spurs under Jose and, and Conte has has, has yeah. been, from a football perspective, horrific. Well, it's, um, it's, it's killed it. I mean, it's uh, you know we've. I mean, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your thoughts on on the current situation. I mean, you you said about you know you're a season ticket holder. You go to watch Spurs a lot. Is that continued to this day? No, uh, so I, I'm, I'm originally from London. Um, yeah. I moved away from London. I moved up north yeah. um, probably just, just over 20 years ago. Um, so I kind of stopped going to Spurs uh, probably mid-late 90s yeah. um, like from a season smart. two ticket perspective. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. that particular moment, smart, yeah. I, I think I was getting a bit down. Do you know, come back to that sort of fantastic disappointment in another team. Yeah. Um, one of my final seasons as a season ticket holder there was was the Klinsman, Sheringham, Anderson, oh, yeah. Barmby, Dimitrescu, Popescu. Oh. And then Abs- we finish absolute, it with Col- absolute madness. Yeah, and then you finish it with Colin Calderwood and David Kerslake, but en- enough said yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, so, and then, um, so my time then back to Spurs was was very few and far between. So yeah. I managed to get to, to most finals. I, I managed to get to the 99 final, the 2008 final. Yeah. Um, so um, I've seen Spurs win trophies, which is which is a nice thing. I was yeah. I was luckily there for the '91 final too. Um, ah, I did the semi-final. I, I was there for the semi-final in '91, which I, I still think was the better game. <laughs> I, I absolutely, and and I was lucky to be there. Funny enough, when I when I was speaking to some Spurs, like a David Howes and a Vinnie Samways yeah. uh, and a Paul Allen. It was hard because I really wanted to focus on talking about this season. Uh, and yeah, I didn't want course. to de- deviate because I speak to them and they're like, you want to talk about Gaza now, don't you? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking about 86, 87. But then I got to the, to the end of it. I'm, I said, look, I'm, I know I'm talking about this, but thank you. Do you know what? Thank you for 1991. Thank you yeah. for that semi-final because that was just well, that, absolutely superb. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of people, again, the younger people listening, in 1991, Arsenal were winning the league, and they did win the league. Yeah, and they were they were they were superb. Yeah, they they were a very good side, very dominant, and we wrecked them in that semi final. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. absolutely smashed them. Um, Gaza's free kicks, the thing everyone always talks about, but we really outplayed them. We outran them. We we drove. We yeah, we buried them in the ground. Um, Lineker was superb. Um, yeah, that, that's one of my earliest sort of really cling on to Tottenham memories. Boy, did it go downhill from there for, for a it good did. 10 Just years. Keep, keep, keep on that memory though. Um, yeah. I've got a lovely, lovely little story from, um, so the physio at the time of, of, of this book that I've, I've kind of written, um, John Sheridan was yeah. the Spurs physio. Um, everyone knows him as the limping physio. Um, <laughs> lovely guy, fantastic guy. Um, again, by his book, it is called the limping physio. It's a, it's a, it's a superb read. Um, I, I need to when, ask limping because he genuinely had a limp, or was there some? Yes. Yeah. Okay. No. 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 He, he genuinely had a, had like a medical complaint, which, again, didn't restrict the fact that he he had to run on the pitch and and tend to spurs his needs. So he well, did. Well, it this is this is eighty six, eighty seven. So all he had was a sponge in cold water. Surely. That's it. Yeah. Back then, that's probably all you needed. But yeah, yeah. I think if, if you speak to him, you find out um, that there was a lot more to that. But the story <laughs> that he says, because he he was still at Spurs, he was very key to Gaza's rehab. 
Okay. After he did his knee in the 91 final before yeah. um, he went to Lazio. Yeah. Um, and whilst I was talking to him um, doing the research for this book, um, we, we were on, on like a team's call yeah. and he moved his camera around and on his wall, there's a picture of Paul Gascoigne's 1991 semi-final shirt. Oh, wow. And honest, and, and because of the, the work that, and the rehab that John Sheridan had gone through with Gascoigne during his career, that's why Gascoigne gave it to him. Um, wow, that's, I mean, that's if there, a hell if there, of a keepsake. If there's a shirt from that game, blimey, that, that's the one to have, isn't it? So, um, ever. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, le- legendary game. Um, so, yeah, so like I was saying, your thoughts on, the, on all things current then, because obviously you talk about a fantastic disappointment, you talk about the football played, and, and it's often... Yeah often a very Spurs thing, the Spurs way, playing good football, yeah. playing attacking football. It's been an identity we've had for a long time since Arthur Rowe, really, in the 50s, push, pushing run towards and pull everything in. And since then, managers have come in and gone, etc. But the ones that are etched in our memories are the ones that have embraced that and have, have played a certain way. In the modern times, Harry Redknapp did it, Mauricio Pochettino did it. Um, aside from them, it's been pretty drab. Um, and in recently, um, from Jose into the one we don't talk about, it's a to Conte. The <laughs> philosophy has been very much, yeah, you know, defense, 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 counterpunch. I actually heard Ange Postecoglou say that the other day. His biggest challenge as the current coach is that we get this group to stop counterpunching. So you know yeah. that's all they've done for three, four years. Yeah. As a as a fan and someone due to the community that we we have with the Facebook page, Twitter, etc., I watch practically every single Tottenham game. Uh, under Mauricio, it was an absolute joy. Win, lose, or draw, I enjoyed watching us play. You know, obviously we lost. Yeah. I was tacked off, but it, there was never a game where I felt like the team didn't try. Um. Now, fast forward through the years, I, I, I have to admit, I am very jaded right now, like very mentally done in from watching us for the last few years. Yeah. It has been drab. It has been poor. Um, for, for yourself, like, you know, seasons to go older in the past, you know, you focus in on this book, um, on, on that particular season, you've picked out other seasons. How have you felt over the last few years under those managers and how what's your opinion now of of the new man that's come in? Do you know, um, again, like a, a David Pleat, um, a Keith Birkinshaw, a Bill Nicholson, yeah. uh, Harry Redknapp and a, a Pochettino, we remember those names because of the football that they played. Yeah. Um, George Graham and um, Juan de Ramos, they both won trophies, yeah. but we don't necessarily remember the, them for the football that they played. No. Ramos was Ramos was lucky that he had Berbatov, and, and Graham was lucky he, that he had uh, Ginola. Yeah, I mean, Juan de Ramos basically won that with Martin Yole's team, which still pisses me yes. off, to be honest with you. Absolutely. If Martin Yole, you know, I, I loved Martin Yole. He, he kind of, uh, yeah. for me, was just a wonderful personality. The more stories I hear about him as well, the more I, I love him. And it, it was his team, and I'm still so annoyed that it wasn't him because that one day Ramos, it was ridiculous. I agree. I, I, I mean, I think for, for, for where the club are now, I don't yeah. think people realise that Martin Yole actually put the foundations in for that. Massive. Because of, yeah. 
the the the, the bleak nineties into the early noughties. Yeah. Again, it was superb to see Glenn Hoddle go back to Spurs, but um, it was limp. It, it, was, it was quite bland. Um, so Martin Yol um, ch- changed the philosophy, the footballing philosophy of this yeah. club, I, I, I believe, and started to, to where we are today, yeah. really. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. currently, I, I've li- I likened the the Jose and the Conte appointments to to like the superstar DJs, you yeah. know. They're, they're, they're like the Pete Tong, they're the Danny Ramplings, they're the they're, they're the Carl Coxes, they're all the big superstar DJs yeah. that we've tried and they, they haven't worked for us, okay? Yeah. Um, I, I don't necessarily think the superstar elite managers work for us mm. because I'm sure I've, I've heard you and Matt talk on the podcast before and like lots of other Spurs podcasts talk as well, that Conte probably more than Jose, you, you felt like they were doing us a favour. Yeah. You, you felt like, well, I'm I'm here to just just help you out, you know. Yeah. Like that, they, they we were the whole club and everything connected it to, to it were beneath them. Yeah. Um, which was completely wrong. I mean, with what I do, um, as as a profession, I work with leadership teams, leaders, um, creating high performing cultures and high performing teams and stuff like that, and and culture f- figures time and time again, um, mm. because you cannot get a performance culture. Um, with such sort of failings at, at the top, so it's not to go into to leave you because this will just turn into another conversation. Yeah. But for, from Postacoglu, um, you know, I, I think this guy has a philosophy that is is close to where Spurs fans want to see their team play. Um, I, I agree, and there's also an element from him. I mean, obviously. He, he, I don't think he was anyone's first choice. Anyone who says he was their first choice, then okay. But I don't think he was. I, I don't think many Spurs fans would say he was the guy they picked out of all the available managers. But one of the things is, once it became clear he was, you know, I, I then started reading. I watched everything I could. I read everything I could because I wanted to try and understand who the guy was who was coming in. And there's a quote very recently, actually. So since he's been appointed, and I think even whilst he's on this tour down in Australia, there was a 60 Minutes Australia thing. And one of the questions that got put to him was about, um, you know, sort of like philosophy and motivating players. And he, he kind of said that, you know, you can scream and shout at a person and they'll go and do what you've asked them to do. But they'll never be 100% on that because they're not being motivated. They're being screamed at to do it. If, exactly. you, if you create and instill a philosophy that people buy into, that they want to go and do it, that's that's the way. That's the way forward. And yeah. you, you just listen to that and you think, oh, wow, that's so refreshing. <laughs> so, it, it sounds so obvious, but at the same time, it seems to have been lost on our last few managers. You know, you look at you, the, the point you made about Jose is right. I don't, I didn't get the impression from Jose that he felt he was doing us a favour. Uh, you know, I'm not a no. big fan of his, but I don't get that. But at the same time, no, it's more Conte. Yeah, when he spoke to the players, I don't know how much of that was for the Amazon documentary or what. But when he spoke to the players, I did get the feeling of. I'm Jose Mourinho. How dare you? You know, not yeah. not bow. You know, when I walk in a room, what the, what are you all doing? Like I've told you this, and you've not gone and done it. And his almost like frustration at you know, how dare you not revere me like I'm a god? I I think what 
put a lot of people out, you know, just like, you know what, you're not all that. <laughs> I'm not no. I'm, I'm not going to do this for you because I don't believe in you. And when you had that squad of players who just basically were working under Mauricio, had grown up with Mauricio as well, their bond yeah. to him meant that they, it was like, like a stepdad coming in, you know? Mum and dad yeah. got divorced. Dad's left. Who's this new guy? I don't, I'm yeah. not going to listen to you. You're not my real dad, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that was kind of the relationship. And then you had the other guy. It was just a joke. You know, everyone knew he was like the 15th choice. Everybody yeah. knew he wasn't going to last. The whole squad must have just been like, what the hell is this? And it, it was a farce. And then they bring in content, name value. He came in. And you. the thing about it is you could tell the players tried. Like you could see that in that end of that first season, they were all trying to buy in. They were all trying to yeah. get it and, and work it. But then we go into season two with the with the training, the, everything they did, none of them were happy. Like, you know, no. there is, you can run people into the ground to increase their fitness, but do it in a way that players want to do it. And then you can do it from a drill structure, marine sort of way where people feel like, why are you doing this to me? And yeah. and and you could see it like immediately from game one of last season, it was missing. Something just wasn't there. There was no fire, yeah. no click, no kind of. On the podcast, I must have said a thousand times. You know, when when we when we click again, like we did at the end of last season, and it just never happened because they weren't they they weren't happy. Um, and I, I think people, uh, possibly from your professional point of view, you can answer this. I personally think that that people underestimate that you know footballers earn all this money they should be happy all the time uh, you know people underestimate the impact of actually going to work and enjoying what you're doing and who yeah. you work with it is you know it's the, the the psychology of a footballer of a professional footballer now is completely different to what it was 10 years ago of course. what it was 20 years ago and 30 years ago that that's the evolution of life that's the evolution yeah. of let's face it the workplace that's the evolution of of elite sport um do you know, like like the Alex Ferguson years, the old hair dryer treatment, yeah. that 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 wouldn't work anymore. No. It, it worked at the time, but you will not get the best out of your out of your players now. No. I think Conte, Conte's biggest issue was again, bear in mind, people players want to be loved, players want to be respected, they want to be revered, they want to be treated fairly and reasonably, and, and stuff like that. But to hear your manager constantly slate you yeah. and the club yeah. in in the press. Time, time, and time again, um, which just it, it's it's like slow psychologically beating them down, yeah. um, and and it's not going to get the best out of the individuals. You know, the art of coaching, leading, managing, and influencing is is about relationship and rapport. Mm. You know, if you don't have relationship and rapport with your people, whether you're ma- managing a team in in the world of insurance, whether you're running a team of volunteers in the world of charity, yeah. um, managing and leading people is getting the best out of people. And you do that by understanding them. Yeah. There, there could be players that you could shout at them and it could get the best out of them, but there could be lots of other players that that tax doesn't work at all. Yeah. Um, so the, the man management side of things, I just don't think it, it was necessarily their bag. You look at someone like Pochettino and, and, and Postacoglu, you, you kind of look at and think, that's that's part of their makeup. Yeah. I think psychologically, they they understand that they don't want to be everyone's best friend, but yeah. they want to have a relationship. They want to have a rapport with them. 
Yeah. And to be honest, you even saw that with with Martin Yol and and the, even Big elements time, of, yeah. of of Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp, you know, no no offence, he was he was never the greatest tactician. Nope. Um, he was never the greatest footballing uh, mind, but he he was like a motivator supreme. He was. He, yeah. you would go into battle having had a chat with Harry, who's made you feel like you're the best player in the world. Oh, yeah, made um, you feel ten feet tall. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, but you've got players like Harry Kane and 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 Son who raise their game time and time again because they are genuine world class footballers. Yeah. Um, but that they're doing that out of their own excellence, their own motivation. But there are some players in that squad that aren't as good. As, as some of those no. real European or, or world-class players that, that we do have. And for them, you're not going to get the best out of them. I mean, effective managers can sometimes see players play above their station just through yeah. managing, coaching and, and leading by by that, yeah. that influence. Well, you, you've only got to look at the, for, for me, the Pochettino effect, you've only got to look at the impact he had on certain players for us. But also prior to us at Southampton, You've only got to look at the players that then left Southampton who weren't coached by yeah. many more big money transfers and just faded away. Um, yeah. It's because they weren't getting that level of coaching, that level of tactical awareness. They weren't working in the same system. My, my best example is Schneiderlin. That guy was regarded as the greatest thing to defensive football since Claude Makaleli. And, yeah, he was. And yeah. then just vanished. Just was uh, just unbelievably poor every game I, afterwards. I, I mean, take 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 Danny Rose for example. He's, yep. He just popped into my head of of that group. Yeah. Do you know pre Pochettino, yeah. Danny Rose hardly got into the Spurs team. Yep. Do you know that Danny Rose was not a player that Spurs fans would think, yeah, do you know I want Danny Rose in the side. Well, I, I mean, remember he's, him he's, signing he's a new scored five. Scored a corker against Arsenal. Yeah, I remember him signing a new five-year deal after Pochettino arrived, and then he had to delete his social media because of the way Spurs fans reacted to it. Yeah, it was disgusting. But then you had two or three years where you had him on one side and Walker on the other, with Toby and Yen in the middle. Where as a defensive unit, that that's probably the the most brilliant defensive unit I've I've ever seen Tottenham have. Yeah, um, that back four was superb. But Dan, Danny Rose, for like that year or two, maybe two and a half years, he he was one of the world's best left backs. He was without a doubt. Yeah, he was. But before that, he was kind of average, and then after that period, he was kind of average again. Yeah. Um, that's that's because I think Pete Pochettino knew how to get the best out of him. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I, I'd absolutely agree with that. And that's one of the things that kind of encourages me with Postacoglu is that you see him and the way he coaches and the way he drives his teams and the way he wants them to play. My hope is, is that he has that ability as well because there's a lot of players in the squad that Tottenham fans have completely written off. Some of them I can completely understand. Like, you know, you've had chance after chance after chance under different managers. Yeah. But there are some in there. The only managers they've had have been Jose, the other one, Conte. Yeah. You, you can't, like for me, I can't judge them yet. Like I, like I said to uh, Dan, who's one of our admins, for me, this squad, whoever he keeps there, I'm not going to judge them until Christmas. It's like clean slate for me because they are finally going to have someone who wants to coach them to go forward, attack, not counterpunch. So let's judge them on that once he's had time to get in there, coach them, and then also he'll be able to make judgments. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited by what's to come. 
um, purely because I genuinely feel I'm going to enjoy watching us again. And like I said, yeah. when I when you watch as many games as I do, <laughs> being able to enjoy it is a big thing. Like it really the, the, helps. The thing is, though, Sam, from a if you if you're a fan of any any team, any any club. Do you know, sometimes over the years, my, my kids have said to me, oh, do you know what? Why don't you go and support another club? And I'm like, you, you, no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it you, does. You can't, you can't, it's, not as, it's not as easy as that. No. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we, we, we're kind of stuck with it. But to, to be honest, it's it's not delusional. But if you don't go into the season with optimism every single time, yeah, what you then you, yeah. you're, you're setting yourself up to fail. Yeah. Let, look, at the, look at the optimism at the start of last season. Yeah. Do you know this time last year, Spurs fans in the club were absolutely buoyant. Yeah. Do you know, yeah, with, yeah. Some, with some of those signings from last year, knocking Arsenal um, out of the Champions League position, getting in it, you felt that, that this Conte era was, was gradually going somewhere. Yep. Um, ro- ro- roll on 20, 30 weeks after that, it's, it's, it's a car crash. Yeah. You know, it's... So, think things do in football do change very quickly, but... Again, a year ago, we were so optimistic. Um, but that's like before before the first game of any season, that the level of, of optimism for most supporters and most clubs is always sky high, isn't it? Because you're always thinking, what could be? And that's that's probably the best time of the year, isn't it? <laughs> it <laughs> is. It is, yeah. It's, it's the Tottenham life cycle. You know, you finish in May, despondent. June, you hate the club. July, you start to fall in love again in August, you, you believe you're going to win it all. Um, that's that's the life cycle. Rinse and repeat. Um, it is, it is. But, uh, Stephen, uh, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us Pleasure. today. Um, I will get from you all of the links and I will put them in the podcast description and on the post when I post the show out for everybody. Um, for everybody listening, uh, if you're interested in the 86-87 season, maybe you remember it. Maybe you're too young, but you'd like to learn about it. Um, I had a very brief look through the information, and it looks great. I'm going to be getting it. So there you go. That's that's the biggest indictment I can give it. That's the biggest thing. The stamp, Sam stamp on it. I'm going to be Sam, getting it. Do you know what? Uh, apart from the the obvious importance of the, of the Sam stamp, which is yes, I'm obviously glad to yes. have. Do you know the, the other thing we talk about is is the book's a snapshot in time. Yeah. Do you know it isn't just all about just Tottenham football. I do put a lot of other content in there as well, um, so people understand um, what was going on. Think what was going on because some of it is is either connected or it's relative to to the world of football because. The, the the football evolution that we see nowadays, yeah. it, it's it sort of kind of started back then. And in actual fact, Spurs were, were quite pioneering from that perspective. So Irving Scholar, the former man of uh, the former chairman, yeah. um, that the commercial world of football that we live in now, mm. he was one of the the, the pioneers of, of where we are today. Okay. So you could either love it or you could loathe it, but it's quite interesting that we've made a few links to that as well. Excellent. No, I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, I want to say a massive thank you to everybody for listening, as always. A massive thank you to you, Stephen, for coming on and talking about it. And I uh, hope you keep listening, even even though you've plugged your book now. I hope you stay as a listener. <laughs> always do, Sam. Always do. Thank you. Very kind. Uh, but, yeah, for everybody for uh, tuning in, downloading, thank you very much. Uh, once the season's back in rolling, we'll be back with our usual weekly show. Uh, obviously, like I said, this is the start of our kind of monthly one-off shows as well. 
we will promote that a little bit more via the Facebook page and all the other social medias. Uh, but Stephen, uh, again, if you just want a sort of a summary, if you were to give people just sort of like a one or two lines, you know, go and get this book, what, what would you say? Um, if you're a Spurs fan or not, um, you all love this book because it talks about revolutionary football, um, changes in the football world. Um, it highlights some some world-class footballers and very rarely would anyone get to see Diego Maradona play for Spurs, but I've covered Brilliant. that too. Brilliant. There are quite a lot of links of Maradona too. Excellent. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back really soon. You all take care. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Stay up to date with all things Tottenham. Follow us on social media. All links are in the podcast description.